0: Oh, we're already flubbing at the start. <laughs> Here we
1: go. I'll just back. I'll just start again. You're listening to the CXMH podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health.
0: Hey, welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Robert Gore. Hey, Robert.
2: Hey, Holly. How are you doing?
0: I'm all right. How are you doing today?
2: I'm good, yeah.
0: Good. Well, I am so excited for the conversation that we're going to be having today with our dear friend, Kevin Sweeney. Kevin was co-founder and lead pastor of Imagine Church, an urban church in Honolulu, and he is the host of podcasts, The Church Needs Therapy, and the author of um, the books, The Making of a Mystic, and his newest book, The Joy of Letting Go. He lives in Honolulu with his wife and co-founder of Imagine, Christine, and their two kids, True and Michaela. Hey, Kevin. It hey. is so so good to have you on the show here with us today. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. I appreciate this. You know, even even with the second book, I do not take I do not take these opportunities for granted. So for you, mm. for Robert, for taking the time, the work behind the scenes, you know. The intros, you know, not that you would ever make a mess up on an intro no, or anything, never, like that, but the work never. That, be, <laughs> that we all have to do, the multiple takes. Yes. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm grateful to, to be here with both of you today. I'm really I'm, I'm appreciative of you guys taking the time.
0: Aww. Well, we are yeah. so thankful for you being here with us. We know that it is quite early where you are right now. Yeah. And so your your willingness to be here with us and to talk about, you know, some of the things that we have mapped out for today. Is really a gift, so thank you. Yeah. Is there anything that I missed in your bio that you want to add or tell us more about or fill us in on or anything?
1: No, I mean, you know, I'm glad my my wife, my kids' names are in there because I think, Hmm. you know, vocation people. It's so easy to be like career accomplishments, productivity, but. I think so much of the sacred vocation and calling in a larger zoomed out context of our lives is how present are you to the people around you? Yeah. You know, not the, not the points people see, but the in-between spaces is if all of this talk of being a mystic, of all of the transformation, of all of the love does not translate to actual presence, intentionality and love with the people who are around me, then perhaps I'm just another person who's, who's trying to, maintain and gain status and not actually love the people around me so nah we the family's here we, you know we are committed to each other and we live in hawaii we love where we're at the kids are starting to surf, play sports play piano oh, yeah, do that's... hula do ballet all the fun mm-hmm. stuff and yeah so now nah, i it's that's all good for now we'll see i'm in a, i'm in a, another stage of Beginning again, a stage of uncertainty on the other side of letting go. You know, passing for ten years and moving on. So, what am I? What am? What am I doing? Concretely, will materialize within the next couple of years. So, on a practical level, the next time I come on, with that's my assumption, I will come on again. I'll <laughs> tell you those things.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Well, I love even just how you kicked us off talking about the value of relationships and how those. Matter and and putting that within the context of the work that you do and and wow. elevating that, you know, especially that the the ways that you talk about mysticism and being a mystic and the, what you write about, I think keeping that relationship piece as central is wow. beautiful that you embody that in the ways that you do. So, well, we um, I know we're definitely going to talk about, you know, the joy of, of letting go and this, this new book that you have coming or that had, had come out very recently. But I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the backstory of this book uh-huh. and really the ways in which you've moved into this posture of surrender and letting go and, and that you write about in this book. Can you um, tell us a little bit about yeah. what's led you
1: into yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing I say in the intro to the book, and I really mean it when I say it, is letting go isn't one thing we do. Letting go is that which maintains the flow of everything we do. So letting go isn't something we add yeah. on as another part of, we. I'm doing this, I do that. And there's also letting go. I'm like, No, letting go is integrated within just beneath the surface and a part of what allows everything in your life to keep flowing. So letting go, acceptance, surrendering, forgiveness, these things we can take for granted. I'm like, no, they're just beneath the surface. They're not just big things. It's within everything that allows a flow to keep going. And that really came from you know, the past 10 years of my life leading and pastoring and being with people. I'm like, Virtually every time people are angry and feel stuck and struggling to move forward. And like, of course, after when well, we're in that, after all of the rage and the blame and the name calling and the threats and the pity parties, depending what our ego's choice of, you know, defense mechanism is, we all have different ones. Yes, yes. <laughs> after all of that, <clears throat> I would look at people and just think, there's just something really hard you have to accept right now, which means there's something you have to let go of. Right. And we wish it could, we desperately wish it could be a million other easier things than the one thing it oftentimes ends up being. There's something we have to let go of because we would rather just get angrier at injustice and rage against the machine harder because we can do that out of our own willpower and ego strength. We can do that and maintain what I believe is the illusion of control. Or we'd rather in a religious setting, We'd rather just show up at the next event and sing louder or pray harder or cry more desperately. Not that I'm against any of those things in and of themselves. I've had all my l- amazing crying moments, you know, that are very real and I love them. Or sometimes for head oriented people in the mind, we'd rather read another book about letting go or about mindfulness or about overcoming trauma. And try to figure it all out in our minds instead of the embodied practice of acceptance and letting go. So I could see that. That's why the whole book, a part of me is like, I wish I didn't have to say this. I wish it was easier for you. I wish you could just try harder because it would be less painful. But the paradox of the title is the joy of letting go. If we can trust the smallest letting go from a tiny relational conflict with a partner or a friend, to a massive letting go of this business I started is over, this relationship ended. If we can just trust the letting go and that we will be carried through to the other side every time, then we're going to be okay. And this book is a large invitation in every area of our life to trust that letting go more.
2: I like the bold strategy of lumping in, like reading another book about letting go into uh, kind of the (laughs) like, here's what we like to do when you're Watching a book about letting go. It's yeah. a bold, you know. I'm like, yeah, what do you um, want to do? Just
1: read a book about letting go instead of letting go? I mean, buy mine, but also what I'm saying is you need to do right, the work. But,
2: yeah, do yours and then don't read any other ones. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No. Yeah. Well, um,
0: so, I, well, I'll just say real quickly to that, though. Like, yes, I know you're, you know, being, you know, silly about that. But at the same time, I do think that, that this book does point people very clearly towards the embodied practice which i think for those who do stay in their headspace too much or maybe they stay too much in their heart space or you know they're not moving into the embodied practice i think that that this book is helpful to at least point us to the practice especially if we seek out ways to avoid the practice through wow. other strategies, so yeah, so I know and you're the, being yeah. you're being silly no, about yeah, your book, yeah. but yeah, I yeah. really no, do want to point. Yeah, folks, the, yeah I know. No,
1: absolutely. And Roberts addressing <laughs> the irony of and one of the ways to avoid the practice of letting go is reading a book about letting go, which is yeah. hilarious.
0: right, absolutely.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yes, yes.
0: Robert, I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. You jump in. No,
2: <laughs> no, no, no. You're all right. It's that's a good clarification because obviously I was I was picking on him a little bit. <laughs> I obviously wouldn't say come on the show if we didn't think the book was also helpful. Oh, exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious, right? Because maybe some folks are listening to say, "Okay, letting go or surrender or acceptance or all these things. That's all well and good, but there are times to hang on to things and there are times to let go. And so uh, navigating, like, okay, which of those things?" is the maybe not right option Is if there's always like a it's always a kind of a dichotomy right but like uh, how do i know maybe sometimes where maybe it is more helpful or healthy to let go um, or sometimes where like yeah hang on even though it's hard and and that's uh, kind of the throughout to go you know what i mean
1: yeah absolutely that's a great question you know i'll say sp- because that, that could be answered in such there's such a broad you know way for me to answer that but let's say specifically for helpful when it comes to relationships you know, it's very easy for somebody to be in a meaningful relationship and then to get to a point where it gets hard. Maybe it's your first big conflict. You have, you have conflicts with friends you love and care about. It doesn't have to be a romantic partner. So you could get into a conflict with a friend or let's say it is a romantic partner. And then when it's you get to a season because the honeymoon stage wears off. I don't know if everybody's aware of that. Even brain, like neurologically, you can see after 18 months, your brain mm-hmm. actually changes, you know, when it comes to those things. And so... All of a sudden, usually like 18 months, two years-ish, people can go through like this wonky. Why does this relationship feel more clunky? Why are my toes not just sliding across across the floor like magic when we would just float through our night times together or whatever? And now it's hard. And what the letting go comes in is there's an important distinction between sometimes It is time to let go of toxic relationships that are not helpful, that are taking life from me because I'm actually scared because it's hard for me to imagine a life beyond it. There are times where you have to let go of actual relationships. Other times it's, and and oftentimes, maybe more often than not, not just for romantic relationships, it's, oh, what I actually, in order to maintain the flow of this, to stay in this, I don't have, it's not about letting go of the relationship. It's letting go of many of the illusions I had about how relationships work. Or it's letting go of the uncommunicated and the assumptions I had about how this was supposed to work, what a relationship is supposed to feel like, how my partner's supposed to relate to me, how I was supposed to feel all the time. So, of course, there's times we discern we're letting go of the actual thing, the job, the relationship, the whatever. But to me, oftentimes, the day-to-day, the more interesting work is letting go of the little things within me that are getting in the way of the love that wants to flow between me towards you and the love that wants to flow from you towards me. Because we also have to let go of things to receive love. That And that's a crazy thing. So
0: yep. I think a lot of mm-hmm. the important
1: work is, oh, I'm disappointed which kind of turns into resentment or bitterness enneagram twos would never know anything about anything like that so maybe other people do but like Um... you're like (laughs) (laughs) so you think oh i feel like this oh what i realize is oh what's getting in the way of us connecting and us coming back together and and like being like this right now is oh i had these oh it's the expectations i had on how you were supposed to respond when i shared that news that's actually what's getting in the way of my capacity to be present to you in a loving way oh i have i can communicate to you hey i would appreciate it if you were intentional about showing support we can you can share those desires but at the same time say oh i have these uncommunicated expectations about how happy i think you're supposed to be when i tell you and when that doesn't happen now i'm angry or i'm upset or bitter or whatever oh that's on me i can share with you but that's on me so a lot of the Letting go is actually within the relationship that's making it flow and connect more because we desire fidelity. We desire connection long-term. We desire people who are going to be with us. And to stay in those long-term friendships, partners, work relationships, there is letting go that allows that to keep going.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think even though the phrase "letting go" when you say that, what conjured in my mind, and maybe this is true of other people, is a lot of external things, right? Letting go of this job or this relationship, Ugh. right? Like, and and what you just spoke to was a lot of letting go of some of the internal things, which then helps you maybe sort through, figure out some of those external Absolutely. things in terms of like, oh, if I'm moving through these in healthier ways, then I, you know, then I can maybe navigate those a little.
1: Totally, and I would say about ninety-five percent, maybe more of the energy and content of the book. And when I talk about this is not about external things. It's not about, do you stay in this job? Do I do that? Like, I don't even really think about that to be honest. You know, like if I'm with a friend, of course, we're going to talk about it, but I'm more like letting go is a constant unfolding internal process that allows the truth and depth and substance of who I am to emerge more and more. I am letting go of everything that is getting in the way of me being fully Me and authentic and alive and present to this world. So that's more my energy, more goes to the interior landscape of letting go, as opposed to like, should I stay in this job? Like, I don't freaking know, you know, (laughs) like that's but there's this other work that's going on deeper.
0: No, I think that's good. I, I think that's good. Just that clarification and how it shows up in between relationships, how it shows up within ourselves. You know, I think I think you nod to this too in the book too, but the ways in which surrounding systems influence that as well, and the ways that you know letting go may be easier for some folks uh, uh, than others because of different systems and structures that require individual. Like it just it can be more difficult for certain individuals mm-hmm. to just freely like let go. Mm-hmm. There's additional barriers or challenges that they have uh, to yeah, face. Yeah. So, um but i i know that i mean i really think you do a beautiful job of of unpacking that and being mindful of those various layers as well i so there's there's so much i want to unpack from that but i would love for our listeners to hear a bit about your journey to this work and you you know please feel free to weave in elements of you know the making of a mystic i had some questions about that but but we can, maybe we'll go into it or maybe you'll just cover it in your response. But right, but I want to hear a little bit about your story that has led you to being such a, an advocate, I think, around this practice of letting go and surrendering and being present. And, you know, what has uh, led you to
1: love. feel so
0: strongly about this work?
1: Uh. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'll tell a little bit of my own story. The first thing I think of is, and I say this in the intro, in some offhand comment or whoever he says it, you know, Richard Rohr is like all great spirituality is about letting go.
0: Yes, that's right. Like, yep.
1: Is that j- that's the question I ask in the book? Is that just another great quotable by a prolific author that we're like, huh, that's good. Let's move on now and get another quote, or is there actually something real and universal and and? profound about that and when he says that i'm like i i i believe that like i agree with that so my you know my story like i went to catholic school first second and third grade i didn't know what was happening i left i went to public school after i went to public school it says i grew up in los angeles area la unified school district my first day it's like kids are fighting and cussing and it, my nine-year-old self is like this is salvation for me <laughs> Like, I didn't even know that word at the time, but I'm like, this is this is it for me. This is where I belong. Mm. And that transition happened great. And, you know, I stopped going to mass and my parents never pushed that on me. So I tell people my relationship with the church or religion growing up was like a pleasant indifference. I didn't really yeah. care. I, I had no negative experiences. Like, yeah, I didn't want to go to mass because it was boring, but there was no, I wasn't 11 years old with some ideological critique of like the, the papacy are you kidding me dad i'm done <laughs> you know <laughs> i was like there's no such thing as ex cathedra all right he's mm-hmm. fallible <laughs> i didn't have that and i just around religion i didn't grow up with any guilt or shame i didn't grow up with guilt i didn't grow up with shame now I will say I grew up with a lack of empathy and a lack of caring about things. So that, that, mm. that's more of my struggle. But I, guilt and shame around behavior, I never crossed my mind, you know, mm. being wild, getting in trouble, getting having getting in trouble with the law as a kid doing drugs. I was like, dude, just who cares? We just do mm. what we want. Mm-hmm. And so my journey, and this is connected with the letting go and how I see letting go as like the mechanism by which our life keeps on unfolding and not just a separate thing is i have this like profound existential crisis when i'm like 16 17 18 what am i doing why am i doing what i'm doing why have i worked so hard to play college basketball like do i love this do i just i didn't have the language at the time but what i would say now is like i was thinking does my ego just need this because it gives me a sense of value because growing up playing Mm. sports like you know, with Thomas Keating, you know, the centering prayer, Thomas Keating, who's familiar, and he talks about programs for happiness, the ways your ego goes to try to get its needs met. It's like, it's affection and esteem. It's like security and control or power, whatever he does. Um, My default patterns, I'm an affection and esteem person. I'm like, see mm-hmm. me, tell me I'm special. Tell Because to see me and tell me I'm special means I matter and I have value. So like, I would tell people when I'm, 17 years old i just scored 35 points in a basketball game and afterwards you like intentionally linger longer than you need to so more people can affirm you, you know, when you're young mm-hmm. i'm like oh i just happened to walk this way oh hey guys oh great game oh yeah yeah thank you <laughs> mm-hmm. what what people would say is you know great game you're doing great young man, or however they say it but what my what that registered in my soul was you matter mm-hmm. you have a place here mm-hmm. you know that's My whole thing was like, so at 17, I'm like, did I really just spend my whole life doing this because I need other people to tell me I'm somebody? Because if I ever want to be free, my whole sense of self is contingent upon other people seeing me. What happens when they stop seeing me? I'm asking that at 17. And at that point, psychedelics, when I was a teenager, were the main guiding, spiritual guiding force for me. That's why my first book, the subtitle, Uh like my journey with mushrooms, my life as a pastor, why it's okay for everyone to relax. And Uh I didn't have altar calls. I didn't have youth groups. I didn't know any of those things. I had no connection with anything evangelical, didn't know it existed. But when I started doing mushrooms and doing psychedelics when I was young, I kept sensing in them that they were saying, yes, but keep going. You're getting a glimpse of something real, but it's beyond this. You're tasting something that's connecting you with something you believe might exist, but you have to keep going. Like The the psychedelics, the mushrooms were a signpost pointing me to the future I hoped existed, but wasn't sure. And then at 18, I have this spontaneous, profound awakening moment with God. I mean, immediate consciousness-altering, brain rewiring moment of profound... The warmth of a mother, the affirmation of a father, the lo- the the embrace of a lover, the fidelity of a friend all at once being like, I see you and I'm okay. I'm like, oh, everything I've ever wanted <clears throat> is here with yep. me. Mm-hmm. Here's why I give that background. My primary experience of faith was never adherence to a belief system. It was a direct experiential knowing, which for the mystic is actually a being known by God of being seen and of being known and a being loved by God. And yep. my journey forward after that wasn't doing more, adding more. It was, oh, I'm letting go of everything I thought that I was because now I've actually seen who I truly am. I can let go of the need to play sports in college. I don't actually love that. I can let go of the need because I was doing music at the time to do this. I can let go of the need for people to see me. I can ever to me it was like, oh, all I'm doing now is taking off layers of clothing that my ego thought made me me, but I'm discovering through the process of letting go was actually getting in the way of me being me. And that process continues to this day. We are constantly letting go of that which we are so over-identified with. My role, my sense of self, how other people perceive me, my public PR, every time we disidentify, which is a process of letting go, every time we disidentify and let go of something, no matter how scary it is, no matter how much we think we're going to spontaneously combust after we do it, every time we let go, we're more filled with joy, more spacious, and more free on the other side. And I started trusting that at 18 years old when no one told me that was a thing. And every time I've done it, I'm like, no, you're freer on the other side. There's more. Yeah. You can let go of that. You can. Mm-hmm. Do- That's not who you are. Anything mm-hmm. you can see is not who you are. Any. I can let go and disidentify with anything. And to me, I'm like, it keeps unfolding into a greater sense of self, joy, compassion. I'm like, oh, this, no, this, when Roar says, this is all about letting go, this is the way, you know, the acceptance, letting go, this is all the way. So I feel like that's Mm. all I've been doing is just this unfolding process for 20 years since that moment.
0: Oh, that's so good. I and you know I don't get
1: to, I since my church is in here I don't get to preach anymore. So if you give me five minutes I'm gonna take eight. So.
0: <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. I'm so I I really appreciate the the depth and nuance that you unpacked within that and the way that you were able to articulate that that process of. You know, it's like taking layers of clothing off. It's like recognizing that it's, you know, our true self is beneath so many of those coping mechanisms or things that we, those programs for happiness that we've hustled for for so long or, or whatever the thing is. And just the way that you, you describe that, I think is, is beautiful. And it it rings true in a lot of ways from my own experience of it being about being seen and being known. And it's not about seeking or hustling, it's about receiving and and knowing that inherent worth within us. I do wanna, I wanna, I typically don't read the subtitles for each of the books so um, so I'm glad that you circled back to that piece about your journey with um, the making of a mystic and even including the role that psychedelics had within your journey and just for our listeners I want to note too that you know in the book you very clearly say like I don't promote them in fact I would uh, I don't want people to to do that I want them to see that that they can connect with God um, without those specific oh. substances so I just I wanted to to just clarify that for any listener who is their interest <laughs> is peaked perhaps from you describing no, yeah. that part of your no, journey of so and I,
1: and I totally when I when I I wrote the but for me that that whole whatever I, stories I'm telling it's just me being it's honest part about of your journey story.
0: yes and, and I pastorally, love that yes. and I
1: never hid that like as a pastor i would say it while I'm preaching because it's just like I have no need to hide any why would I do that like yeah, when Paula D'Arcy says, God comes to you disguised as your life, you know, God is that which is unfolding in and through it as your life in a very unique way. And we all have that in our own way. So who cares? Like our journey is our journey. And I've always been totally comfortable with that. Oh, but that's yes. good. So from like, I was just talking to, I feel like I was just talking to somebody about this actually, but I'm like the mushroom, like I have a chapter in my first book, first book called Mushrooms as Missionaries. Right. And I said That's say, right. I
0: remember that. Yes. <laughs>
1: And I say, like, well, if we can take the word missionary for a second and put to aside the fact that it's entangled in a web of, you know, colonialism, white supremacy, violence and domination and manifest destiny, and all these unhelpful things, of course, I know that. we we, we need to keep naming that and dismantling that in all of our own contexts. I'm right there with you, okay? But, in the healthy sense of the term, let's just say a missionary's role is to point someone further towards the fullness of life in Christ. That's a good thing. And that's actually a very humble role because to, to, to embrace the role of pointer, to know you're not that which is being pointed to, takes a lot of humility and maturity actually. So that's good. And I say, if that's the case, then mushrooms were the missionary pointing me further towards the way of Jesus, towards the life of Christ. And from that moment when I I did mushrooms like 10 times from the time I was, you know, 16 to 18. And on 18, the last time I ever did it, I had that profound awakening moment with God. I never did mushrooms again. After that. Yeah. Never did psychedelics. Never mm-hmm. did hard drugs again. It took me a couple of years to quit smoking weed after that. Mm-hmm. Cause it was tough. Mm-hmm. And then I took some time off of drinking. So I had, I just had to be sober. I had to see if I can actually live like that. And I say, the mushrooms at for me were the signposts pointing me beyond themselves towards that which the source the creator love grace would eventually i would discover as god and i'll tell people well if you get directions to the ocean once you're in the ocean you don't need directions anymore Mm -hmm. you're already there actually the task now is to stay in the ocean trust the ocean live in the ocean and perhaps even become and be, have your primary identity in, through, and as the ocean. That's the task. And I'll, and I remember even, let's say six, you know, six months later or something, I had this little urge. Like when you do drugs growing up, you get urges to do them, you know, you're like, I want to do that thing again. And I felt maybe this, like, I should do mushrooms again. And even at that point, this is no pastors. This is just me being like, for me to go back and do mushrooms would be to betray the truth and love of the spirit that saw me and still sees me. Cause now I've already been pointed to the source. I've gotten it. I'm here. I'm in that I'm surrendering, letting go and giving my life to this. Now the only part of me that wants to go back is cause it's trippy and it's cool. And you want to, you know, have this great experience. I'm like, no, for me, it was more than that. So for me, they were the fingers pointing themselves beyond themselves towards the source. And once I had the source, I'm like, to go to me to do psychedelics again would be going backwards. And yeah, I trusted a, that. I trusted yeah, that. Yeah. That
0: That's what I remember you writing about in the book. So just you explaining that, I mean, but also no, with the... Like, tell
1: the listeners you don't just email no 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 no, 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 <laughs> no.
0: No, I, I just want to be clear. We're not, we're not promoting any, any, you know, whatever. But I really, <laughs> I really appreciate how you so humbly know. Like this is part of my journey. It's part okay. of who I am. It's part of what has led me closer to God. I'm not saying that this is something that you should do to get you closer to God. But I'm telling you humbly, this is part of what has brought me closer. To God and then, and to fall in love with God and Mm. to fall in love with the spiritual journey in the way that you embody through, you know, what you share with what you write about, with how you show up in the world. I mean, Kevin, I think that is, um, that's what I really, I really want our listeners hearing. It's just like this Mm. you have had a transformational experience. That can happen in so many different ways. Absolutely, but it has. But but your transformational experience along your journey has really just put you on this whole new path.
1: Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nothing about that for me is prescriptive. It's just my story, and I've never like Mm. I don't. I don't think I've ever told people i've never prescribed like you know past i'm like well you know what you should do is uh... right right
0: right yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: but but one with the nuance of that because of my experience because microdosing and because psychedelics are having such a resurgence culturally right now it's like yes that's right people are doing that i can have those conversations with people because i understand why they have those experiences what what they are what they're not and no matter what people are doing psychedelics not finding any path i'm like the work, the real work, is never Saturday night at the peak of the mountain. It's always Monday and Tuesday when you're living your regular life. Yeah. Are you going to yeah. keep putting Because someone doing a psychedelic saying my whole ego dissolved, and I get why they would say. It. I'm like, but guess what? On Wednesday, it's back in the driver's yeah. seat of your life. The real work is: Are you going to? Are you going to forgive the people who have wronged you in life? That's what's keeping you stuck. Are you going to over? Are you going to actually practice the courage that allows you to move forward? Are you going to let go? Are you? This is. The real work is always after the fact. And that's not just for people who do psychedelics. Go to a church camp. Go on a Sunday. Raise your hands high. That's, that's right. great. The Those real dopamine work is all-
0: hits in other ways. Yep. You mm-hmm. can go,
1: you know, fly with Jesus all you want. It's fine with me. But the real work is always like Thursday afternoon. Are you going to have the courage in that moment to be honest in that relationship? That's what actually makes the path. So, yeah.
0: Oh, that's mm. good. Yes. Yeah. That's so good.
2: So to, to circle back a bit to, to letting go, right. Since I know that's where we're, and you just mentioned that again, right. And you were just talking about the idea of like, okay, we, we tend to maybe like these big dramatic, you know, oh, this experience was so awesome and it changed me forever, which is, which is true. But then also, okay, well, what does that look like Tuesday afternoon? What does that look like? Right. Moving forward, uh-huh. because that's where kind of the, the hard work, the longer sustained work comes in, in terms of letting go again, in, in like a, a real practical way right like what does that what does that look like on kind of a daily basis for you or for people that are listening and say okay i agree in theory letting go of all this stuff but then like okay well what
1: does that mean right yeah no that's great i'll tell a couple stories about that i this isn't in the this isn't in the letting go book. it's actually my first one but i remember kid in our church like liked him respected him an amazing cinematographer And we were hanging out and this is a long time ago. We were hanging out and he was like, man, you know, the first six months I came to imagine, which was the name of our church. He's like, man, every sermon you did was like, just mind blowing. Like just, you know, I remember
0: this story. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. And
1: then then he's like, but honestly the past, like, I don't know, five or six or four, he's like, not so much. Right. (laughs) And when he says that, Mm. you know, when, you're, when your insecure ego gets offended, it registers. And this is why the wisdom of embodiment, paying attention to your body and listening to your body is so important because it registers physically. So for me, offense registers as like warm energy in my chest. Right? That's how I feel. I know it. That's why even with your defense mechanisms who can convince you otherwise, if you if you trust your body, you're like, my mind's like, I'm fine. But like, no, you, you know something's there if you, if you know your body. So I have enough familiarity with that to let him do that say it, know what's happening within me, let it settle, keep going. I remember driving away that day and I just spent, you know, two, three minutes. And I said, well, what happened in that moment? Oh, he said something that offended my ego for a little bit. Well, what part of you was offended or why? Oh, well, when he said that, you know, it was like, he didn't really think my teachings were great. Okay. Well, not everyone's always can can you accept not everyone's always gonna think you know either part of your ego that wants everybody to like you or think your teachings are good like, oh can you accept that people aren't always gonna think your teachings are great? Yeah, can you let go of the need to always have somebody praise your sermons or or anything you do and do that? Oh, yeah, I'll be fine without that. okay. now we can let go of that. That was two minutes now now I'm back. no resentment towards him, no break in our relationship, no withholding love from him because I'm like, screw this kid, you know, or no. Trying to win him over mm-hmm. as some people do. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure he likes me. And let me go overboard and overextend myself. No, that that's a simple practice of, oh, I was offended. Whenever you're offended, what happened? What do I have to accept? What do I have to let go of? Okay, two minutes. Okay, now we can keep going. Because if you don't do those little practices, those are micro practices of letting go that happen constantly and perpetually in the flow of our lives. And if not, things build, things keep going they build, they stick. Now, now you're on my, like, I don't like you list of people. Like I'll serve you, but like, there's something within me. I'm not going to treat you the same. I can have lists of those people or I can cut myself off. And that's a small thing of, Oh, Oh, what offended me? What was hard about? I was in that meeting. A part of me feels flustered after that meeting. What happened? I feel like that person was talking over me when they did that. It actually made me feel like I'm not valued in the room as whole. And it makes me question my value in any, oh, no, that's not what this is about. What do I have to accept here? Oh, and now it's the internal, something I have to let go of, now I can keep moving forward. So it's a million little things that keep the flow of life and love open in and through us and, and towards us in our lives all the time.
0: That's really, I mean, that's really helpful. Just the way that you described that, because I mean, I certainly have noticed seasons in my life where I'm like, why do I feel like I have like, like, it's almost like these little, I don't know how to describe it. But those little resentments, those pain points or whatever, they're just like stuck on me. And then it's like they build up on top of each other. So that person says something and I hold on to it without meaning to. And then that person says something or that thing happens or someone misunderstands. And if I'm not careful of like letting them go, they just pile on top of each other. And then they feel like there's a weight almost to be carrying those layers of pain or frustration or resentment or whatever Mm. so even just the way that you talked through that I mean I remember that story in the book and I remember being like (laughs) yeah I I feel like I've been there as you know even as a professor where Mm, students will you know but but it's part of the journey I guess being reminded of those those needs those practical ways of letting go
1: yeah I remember I was like (laughs) walking through an airport once and I was on the phone. I told this story in the first book. I'm like on a phone. with Somebody hit me up. I didn't even yep, know. I They're remember like, this one Someone too. told me to call you. I'm doing this talk at this conference. Like can you, Well, they said you should, you know, what do you think about this? I'm like, all right. I'm like pacing through an airport, just waiting for a flight. Okay, we'll talk for a while. I don't know if this white dude, this middle-aged white dude heard me talk. I don't even know what happened. But seriously, I'm on the phone and a guy taps me and I like get off the phone. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, you have nothing to offer this world and he just walked away. It was like one of the most bizarre, random things in my life. I told that story in the book, because when he said that, my first thought was, what a fascinating thing to say to another human being, like you just mm. obliterated my yeah. whole existence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I
1: but I remember I told that story, because I'm like, well, one, that's such a strange thing to happen, but with the simple mm-hmm. practice, like what just happened? Oh, he said I had nothing to offer. Well, one, that's not true. I know I have things to offer, Mm -hmm. but actually the more radical place of freedom is not convincing myself based on performance. I have things to offer. The radical freedom is even if based on other people's metrics, I don't have anything to offer. The amazing thing is like that actually doesn't matter because me not even having to offer anything that is positive based on other people's perceptions doesn't take away anything essential from who I am. I'm actually free over here. (sighs) And if I can accept what he's saying, as like some people are going to, Not appreciate what you do, let go of the need for people to like me. This weird thing that could have stayed with me for months, like I went to the terminal and like barely thought about it again and just moved on. Cause I'm like, well, that's not true. And I'm the type who's like weird enough where I'm like, those things are just amazing to me. It's just the weirdest thing to say. Like, that's actually quite amazing because it's so strange. But
0: yeah, Yeah. this
1: happened. There's this weird little thing. Oh, what happened? What did they make me feel? What's the thing here? What do I have to accept? Oh, I have to let go. Oh, now we're back. You know, now I'm back with my wife and a friend and we're just this just happened. You know, that that actually doesn't say anything, doesn't take away anything from me. Because you're talking about layers of clothing. That's not who I am. I've already let go of my over identify with those things. So you're critiquing something that is I know isn't even me. So I'm actually quite fine with that. So all of the subtle Mm -hmm. just beneath the surface. This person offended me. Something I let go of there. Something I got to accept. It's really, it's, it's, I say in the book, we prefer complex and easy over simple and painful. Yeah. Because <laughs> if it's mm. complex, I'm like, but they said this and that, and how do I maneuver around this? When I listen to people, I think you could just be honest with them. Now that's the... simple, but it's painful and hard. We're like no it's it's complex not and how do i get around this if i just do this little leverage no 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 the 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 it's simple it's just hard usually the things in life that really get us through they're simple you can get clarity on them they're just really painful and hard we prefer to make it so complex it's impossible because it doesn't require vulnerability it doesn't require being open it doesn't require courage or whatever it takes So the letting go and acceptance to me simple on a conceptual level the hardest things on an experiential level and yet those are the way letting go always leads mm. to more joy and the story that i find myself in death always leads to resurrection and i trust that you know for me mm. i'm still a christian like i'm like i've my experience of why i would even call myself a mystic the unified feel this direct my life my faith is in a belief system primarily but of course i have beliefs I've read everything that should make me not a Christian, all this stuff. Why am I still a Christian? Because this story is just so true and so good and so beautiful. Mm. What do I believe metaphysically? I'm not really interested in having that conversation. I don't really care about abstract beliefs. I don't. But this story, every time you come to the what you thought was the edge of life and of yourself, and you're like David Foster Wallace says, everything I've ever, ever let go of has claw marks on it. Why? Because we're clinging to old identities, we're clinging to old ways of thinking, we're clinging to old beliefs, whatever it is that's getting in the way. I'm like, man, when you've come to the edge and walked over what felt like a cliff many times and a bridge to your future has been co-created by the spirit every single time, that's what faith is for me in my life. And every time I've done that with no, again, when I was young, no guidance, no pastors, I'm like, I just could feel myself walking towards the edge no one's telling me, but I know this is leading to more life. And I still trust that to this day. And we have a story that says, after every death, there is a resurrection. And I want to tell people, after every form of letting go, it's always joy. And what yep. David Foster Wallace says, I understand about the clinging. There's no judgment there. But I also am saying, it doesn't have to be that way. Because if I trust the path, I'm not. Whether you let go of something in five years from now, or five hours from now, it's the same process. Same pain you're going to feel, same uncertainty you're going to face. Why wait five years to let go of something that's getting in the way of your freedom that you can you can surrender, and let go of five days from now? That's what I'm inviting people into for the book.
0: Mm, that's so good, oh Kevin, that's so. so Robert, good. are you with
1: me? Come on now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <He's- laughs> yeah. you know I,
2: I am, and I, I was I was debating whether to just let that be serious because I agree with everything that you just said wholeheartedly. Or to uh, say, I hope you keep telling that story about the airport in as many public forms as possible so that one day someone will write you an email or something and say like, oh, that was me. Here's what was happening because that's so baffling to me to just approach somebody else in an airport and say that and walk off that I like desperately want to know what's happening with that individual because like that's baffling to me. Right. So. But
1: I was like, I, I don't were going to say their, they're going to write an you know, email one day and say, "Hey, that was me," and you still have nothing to contribute. No, no, <laughs>
2: no. But <laughs> no. I don't know. That's just so interesting to, and maybe even to to make it back into like uh, maybe the the series more whatever, right? Like, but I'm I'm I would be curious as to what that what that person was going through and hanging on to and wrestling with exactly. to where like totally. that felt what they're like projecting, a, a thing, like I need yeah. to say this to uh, somebody else in the airport, yeah. right? Because that's just like so. Yes, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's so interesting. You know. Yeah. I think one human. of the one we of the
1: great gifts yeah. mystics have to offer is the invitation for people towards a universal compassion towards all of humanity. Yes, it's like because say in that moment yep. I'm like, I remember because I I you know I remember like six 2017 I started teaching the Enneagram out here you know in the church and in another mm-hmm. space in Hawaii and. I remember teaching on something on the nine and there's this fr- there's just something I said of like, you know, they just can't help it. But then I'm like, that's not just that oh. particular thing for a nine. That's all of us in our default patterns. The person who is trying to help ends up hurting people. They're not malicious. They just yeah. they have a hard time helping themselves. The person who withdraws and isolates because they feel overwhelmed. It's not healthy, but like they're not malicious. Oftentimes people are showing love and showing up in ways that make sense to them but actually aren't loving and helpful for other people and they don't they're not aware of that and they don't Mm. know that you know it's like yeah one of Rora's comments that became that everyone came to know to follow like read and they're kind of in that progressive christian whatever is like you know if you don't transform your pain you transmit it that's very real you know hurt people hurt people but that's that's all they're cliches but it's very real so the universal yeah. compassion is, I just have this deep thing of, you know, no matter how distorted, destructive, relationally, socially destructive behavior is, which it is. And we could name it as that. Everybody on some level is doing their best to survive. And there's a, when you get to know people or you ask people, there's an internal logic to why they do what they do, even if it's unhealthy. And you're like, that, that's actually mistaken, but... The desire beneath all the desires is actually good. Protection, mm-hmm. security, protecting yep. you. Mm-hmm. They think this is good. And I just, whether it's a guy like that, or I mean, I've dealt with other forms of criticism and things like that. I'm like, oh, well, that other pastor who thinks I'm dangerous, like he's doing his job to protect people. I think he's mistaken. I think he's living in at in, in an unhealthy sense of fear of, we're changing. We're evolving. We're growing. This is a good thing. You know, we're not supposed to stay here forever. What you thought, like this, what you thought as it was a temporary, what I see as a temporary settlement you thought was permanent housing. No, we're supposed to leave here after seven years, you know, but you're, if your people leave, you think that's bad because something's, something bad's out there. So I'm like, I don't appreciate the, you know, what he said about me, but I get it. I don't have resentment. He's, I get that know to me I'm like that's the universal compassion of like there's an internal logic to what everybody does and even if i can disagree with the conclusions you come to and still honor the fact you're doing your best to care for people because and that's and that's that's because like i want to be free like letting go of forgiveness I'm like this is about your freedom it's not about anybody else mm-hmm. this is about the fact that i want everybody in this world especially my heart for pastors, healers, caregivers, you know, the same people in the soul of a helper. Mm-hmm, like yeah. <laughs> I want those, I want those people to to experience joy. I want them to know the same grace they spend their lives inviting other people into. It ain't about forgiveness, acceptance, letting go. It's not about that person who wronged me. It's like I refuse to let any other thing get in the way of the joy that I believe is possible for all of us. What's my way to get there? Probably so let it go right here. And I can do that because I'm trusting and we'll be carried through. So a lot Mm. of that's just my, my whole spiritual search as a kid wasn't, I want to be right. Like I'll tell people spirituality is not about being right. It's about being real. All I wanted Mm. to know is what's real. Where is the freedom? And I still, that's still what drives me to this day. You know, I want to be that free to be present and to enjoy. I still have the audacity to believe like this is all supposed to be enjoyed
0: uh mm-hmm. not, not i have strong we, feelings about that yes yes not not once hmm. we yeah.
1: worked hard enough where we can justify right. to ourselves now i can have an hour and have a glass of wine and watch this show now i convince myself like no like this whole like can the the capacity to take enjoying the world just as seriously as you do healing the world that's where i want us to go that's what i'm interested mm. in so Yeah,
0: that's so good. Oh, man, I wish I, I wish I would. So that was the first 45 minutes
1: and now we're going to keep going. I was going to
0: say I I could easily talk with you for hours. And I, you know, I almost want to, like, bring you back on at some point just to talk about mysticism, because there's so much to that that I, you know, we kind of touched on throughout this conversation. But it's something that I have. I'm very passionate about learning about hearing folks' stories, and um, so I, anyways, I wish we had more time, but I know we don't. So,
1: mm. yeah, but one... you know I'm gonna hit you up for the next one. A glimpse. Oh, it's I know. A, it, it's a working title. I haven't settled on the subtitle yet, cause I love <laughs> subtitles. Mm-hmm. But but I, but I I'm pretty settled on the title of the next book work I'm working on right now. It's called The Cosmic Christ and the Concrete Jesus.
0: Oh that's good. You know I'm gonna
1: hit you guys up again for that. Of course,
0: of course, of course. And it'll come out in like two months and it'll like (laughs) and then you're gonna have, yeah. Is it really? Is it really coming out? Okay, okay. I was gonna be like, oh my gosh. Because you get these books out so quickly. Um but they are just so good. But yeah, at some point I would love to bring you back on to I mean, I could talk to you forever. Um One of the things that we love to ask our uh, or ask our audience is, you know, we know that you have poured so much of who you are into the work that you do. And so I'd love to hear, you know, what what is your hope for the work that you are doing? I mean, you just kind of touched on it, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. a moment ago. But if there's anything you'd want to add to that of what is your hope for the work that you are doing?
1: Yeah, I think on one level, you know, the the spiritual teacher is just an alarm clock. Mm. You know, inviting everybody to wake up more wherever they are. For me, whatever tradition of faith you're in, whatever role you have, whatever state, there's a way to wake up more right now to the grace that is present, the love that holds all this together, the truth of who you are, how good this can be. So on an experiential level, it's that. But then also like the first line we ever had for our church was the the world's both broken and in need of healing and beautiful in need of enjoyment so for the workers for the, my hard workers out there who go hard have a tendency to overschedule some people are like that i want to say no the world's also needs to be enjoyed and for the people yeah. who tend towards hiding towards being internal, towards apathy, towards sluggishness, where I'm more like that. I'm an enneagram five, so my de- defense mechanisms mm-hmm. are all like internal and withdrawing. So I actually am more familiar with that. Mm-hmm. To those people, I'm like, hey, there's there's work to be done here. And, and you're a part of getting it done. That's why my wife, very oh. ambitious, powerful enneagram two, I'm a five. Mm-hmm. We joke around, like my lifelong message to her is, babe, it's, it's okay to just stop you know, and just relax. Her message to me is like, Kevin, there's work to be done. (laughs) (laughs) And and Mm -hmm. at different stages, different personalities, one is waking up to how powerful you are to create change, to work for justice, to care for others. Other people is like, you probably are familiar with how powerful you are. So it's also okay to rest. So it's all waking up Mm -hmm. and that looks contextual and specific wherever people are.
0: Yeah, it's being
1: close enough to it to to know the invitation is unique wherever a person is.
0: That's so good. I love that. And then, yeah, my husband identifies with a withdrawing number, and so that dance sounds Mm, very familiar in our household. One of the other questions that um, just before we wrap up, there one other questions that we are asking our guests this season that it does kind of go along the lines of the soul, the helper, but just in general, we're really curious to hear what is serving your soul these days?
1: It's a good question. Thank you. You know, one being very, very present to the mystery of the unfolding of my children right now is very special. They're four and six. And my daughter, like just, They're both just started surfing and like pushing them into waves. And I'm like, wow, this is special. my son, like, I'll tell you just the other night, my wife and I are both from Los Angeles originally. So the only sport I follow is basketball. Really we're huge Lakers fans. Like that's our one thing. I'm Lakers. I'm Kobe. I'm LeBron. Like, this is it. This is all it is. Everything is this. And the other (laughs) night it was like, there was a close game. And in the end, like, they had a comeback and against the Grizzlies and one guy gets a steal. Like, it was, like, the first time our whole family was, like, collectively in sync. My daughter's like, I feel this Aww. pressure, which is just, like, what's going to happen in the game? My son's, like, yelling at, like, at the thing. I'm like, this is awesome. Because, you know, when they're young, they're just, like, they don't focus and they're doing stuff. But yeah. I'm like, <laughs> collectively all have this moment like it to me like it feels it can feel small but i'm like in the kingdom of god the small things are always the big thing so i was like this is really i'm like this was awesome like we, uh. we haven't been old enough to do this yet and like the fact that we do this now i'm like this just opened up a whole new world for this family we're going nuts now at these games so That's i think so fun. being present enough to deeply drink in the mystery of their unfolding i really really like it means a lot to me right now you know at their age so yeah yeah
0: i love that oh that's so good Well, um, listeners, if you would like to connect with the podcast, you can connect with us at CXMHpodcast.com or on any social media at CXMHpodcast. Um, you can connect with Robert at robert vorecom or on any social media at robert Vore, except TikTok. Um, and you can connect with me um, similarly at HollyOxHandler.com or on any social media at HollyOxHandler. Uh, you can connect with Kevin at Kevin Sweeney one um, on Instagram or buy his books, including The Joy of Letting Go, wherever you buy your books. And we'll have links to connect with both the books and his Instagram account. And you can subscribe mm-hmm. to his podcast, The Church Needs Therapy, which feels like such a sister podcast to ours. Mm-hmm. I really love that mm-hmm. title. Um, but you can go subscribe to it wherever y'all listen to your podcasts. Kevin, thank you so, so much for being with us today and for sharing this time um, and wisdom with us. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners that you'd like to share?
1: You know, I, I just always think there's more life ahead if we do the work of letting go. If we have the courage, if we do that part, always more life ahead. That's just a deep conviction I have about how this universe works as it's expanding i think we can be expanding too so keep the those impossible spaces that require acceptance and letting go trusting those spaces that god will carry you through that is to me is one of the great ways on this path towards joy towards life and towards more so that's what i'll leave people with yeah thanks for listening to the cxmh podcast Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at cxmhpodcast at gmail.com.